Welcome to Idaho Speakeasy. I'm Mike Turner, and we're on a mission to uncover and share the stories of Idaho's finest entrepreneurs, community leaders, local icons, and those who are impacting our community. Today in the Speakeasy, we have Bart, Co- Bart Cochran. Bart is the president of Leap Charities, which is a local charity working on creating affordable housing here in Boise. Welcome, Bart. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. All right. So um, until just recently, I had not heard of Leap Charities, so... Um, and so give me up to speed. Um, what, you know, what is it, you know, and what are you guys up to? Great. Well, I've, in order to just kind of explain leap, I kind of have to back up just a little bit. Okay. It's, it's a, it's a growth out of something we were already doing. Um, I'm, a uh, my, my day job is I'm a realtor. Uh, we have a small team called property people and a, I have a business partner and, uh, we were working in real estate and, uh, just decided that after the recession, we needed to find a new way of measuring our success. And we we had seen so many gaps in housing, uh, whether it was rental housing, it wasn't attainable uh, for folks who, who didn't quite have the income to get there, or whether it was home ownership that maybe they had the desire, but maybe there's just too many hurdles in the way. And so we decided to spin up Leap Charities and focus on some creative, affordable housing solutions. So how do we uh, figure out a way to balance um, the housing um, space in a way that uh, gave more opportunities. We had some kind of creative ideas. The way that we funded it was that the, our, our real estate company, property people give the top 10% of our income to Leap Charities. And that created the essentially a startup fund for us to be able to begin spinning out new ideas. Cool. So you're right. There is this gap, and we are. If our community has been growing so fast, and everyone's been talking about affordability, because the bottom of the market, the lower price stuff, has been yeah. disappearing for many years, and it's, and every time you look, it's worse. Right. Yeah. We we say that the, the the news that Boise is now the fastest growing city in the nation, is amazing news for so many people. However, it's not good news for everybody. So if affordable, if affordable, safe, clean housing was kind of just out of reach before, uh, it just got more difficult to access. I see. So, okay, so I love this idea where you have a, a company and you see like this challenge and they're like, all right, well, let's do something. Um, so tell me how that story progressed. And like, like you guys were sitting around, you're like, okay, what if we created a charity that did, you know, what was that? What was that process like? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I think um, we had through the recession just kind of seen uh, what it looks like for people to kind of be stripped down to their core. Maybe seeing your identity and maybe your net worth. Really seeing kind of people at their worst, um, and got such a distaste from that experience that uh, we just said like, there's got to be more than just the. Yeah, are we making a profit? Like, you know, is that is that all there is to business? Like, we're entrepreneurs. We understand how to write a business plan, how to figure out, you know, how to market the product and so on and so forth. But really, are we impacting people's lives at the end of the day? And so we said, well, we don't know exactly even what it is yet, how we're going to do it. We just know that we can put our money where our mouth is because we say it's important, but really, are we doing it? So we give the, we, we give the top line, and that was the 
that was a big decision for us because we said, regardless of whether we're profitable on the you know, net profit end of it, we're going to give the top line. So regardless, we're still going to strip off that top 10% and drop it in there because we're, we're saying, like, you know, like I said, we're putting our money where our mouth is. Um, we, it's, it's turned into, uh, it, was, it was fun because at the beginning it was, it was what we consider all upside, right? Mm -hmm. We've got some resources to experiment with. We got some creative people in a room. And in fact, we said, how do we even know where to start on affordable housing? So we, we said, who do we know? So we, we have some contacts at the uh, refugee agencies and we said, let's ask them, what, what kind of housing challenges are they having? Um, so we sat down and um, got some feedback, and the the challenge they described to us was that uh, families were coming into Boise through refugee resettlement, and they were spending their first up to six weeks in an extended stay hotel on the edge of town, and they were taking they get a uh, families who are coming through resettlement get a fixed amount of money at the beginning and then they get a monthly amount of money so what was happening is that initial funding was being just wasted away on a hotel room um, and it turned out that it was a really isolating experience it wasn't the kind of welcome that we would want for somebody who's brand new to our community um, and so that the funding that that was getting wasted away was supposed to be maybe the first car uh, your your deposit on your first you know your first apartment maybe it's a used a laptop or something like that, something that would go to really kind of helping with the the startup period mm -hmm. for them. So, right. so we said, well, what what can we do about that? He said, well, if we had some sort of a soft landing place, uh, it would be ideal, because uh, families were experiencing a kind of two levels of challenges. One, the affordable housing market is super tight. So a family couldn't just come off of an airplane and the next couple of days identify a place, put an application in and move in. Vacancy rate is so tight, it's less than 1% on the affordable housing side. I mean, it's a fraction of 1%. It's, it's, there's waiting lists, it's super full. So they'd have to wait for a while. Um, not to mention, um, people coming as refugees have particular challenges. They have no rental history right. in Boise. They don't have really a steady income um, and their their background checks are blank um, in terms of the way we do our um, background checks with, through property management. And so they, there was not only a limited supply of affordable housing, but then there was a limited number of properties that would be able to make those exceptions to their rental policies even. So folks were just kind of waiting in the queue until ultimately that right vacancy at that right property opened up so they could get in. So we said, well, we can rent a place. So we went around and started asking landlords, hey, will you rent us a place and let us furnish it out? First, they thought we were crazy. We let us rent a place and then we'll furnish it and then we'll, we're going to move somebody in and out of it about every three to six weeks. What do you think? I mean, some <laughs> landlords thought we were nuts. Mm -hmm. But finally, one landlord <laughs> said, yeah, let's do it. Um, and so in, um, let's see, it's just a, just a little over a year now. Uh, we opened up the first welcome house. We call this program the Welcome Housing Program. Um, we opened up our first, and then we opened up a second, and then we're uh, under contract. We're uh, renting to purchase uh, three more units. Hmm. Um, we looked at the numbers, and we decided that if, if we can open up all five of these units, we believe that the entire need will be met. No family will ever have to come through resettlement and stay at a hotel again. They'll have a place to stay. So these welcome houses, they're fully furnished and hosted and one half the cost. 
mm. of a hotel stay. And what's neat about it, we call them hosted, and it's like, what, yeah, what does, does that, that mean? mean? So the uh, host means that they li- there's a person who lives, uh, in most cases, 100 feet away from the unit. They're not in the unit, so they don't share space. There's a separate, so imagine a house with like a mother-in-law kind of unit in the back, a small little apartment. And so the host lives up front, um, and then there's a little apartment in the back, family stays there. And so even day one, there's a visit. Uh, There's trips to the park, there's trips to the grocery store. And so what's great is we don't have to be the caseworkers, we just get to be friends. We just Mm. get to make the connections and offer people a really warm, um, opportunity to kind of get embraced and connected into the this new home, right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now I really like this story because you're like, what if we did this? Yeah. And then you just tried it and they get someone to say yes. Yeah. yeah. What do we got to lose, right? Right. That's really awesome. Yeah, just a couple of quick stats. So, so far we've had 108 guests. Okay. Wow. Um, just in two houses. Really? Um, so this, that's a lot of, so they turn over then. Yeah. yeah. Every, yeah. Our, right now the average stay is 21 days. Oh, wow. Longest okay. stay is 58. Um, and they had some particular challenges. Where do they, they transition to into? Uh, apartments throughout the community. So oh, okay. they, at the agencies, um, families through resettlement have a really, I mean, the, at the housing advocates that the agencies have are amazing. I mean, they are, they are in the market. They're knocking on property manager's door saying, hey, you got any vacancies, you got anything coming up? And so as rapidly as possible, they're moving folks into a, what we'd call a permanent um, setting. And the, the reason why that's important is that, that when they're staying with us, they don't have an address. Um, they're not getting their mail there. And so once a family is in their permanent setting, they have an address, and that's usually when they get enrolled in school. Um, and so, and there's also some other paperwork items that are really important for for that piece of it. So there's an incentive to move the families from this temporary setting into a much more permanent setting. And folks, you know, honestly, just like to be in a place that they consider theirs. We fully furnished the unit, so it's there. It's all all furniture and decorations that we've put in there. Um, and so ultimately, it's their couch, it's their bed, it's their food in the cupboards. Um, and so, I mean, families just, I mean, there's a sense of, mm-hmm. of home and ownership there. That's cool. But that's quite a number of uh, guests you've had just in that one year time. Yeah. Yeah. One of the neat things too is uh, we find that the families have a pretty significant savings. So we believe that each family that comes through uh, will has saving right now on estimate of about $850 per family. Hmm. So it's $850 that they have to go towards the down payment on their next apartment, to purchase a used vehicle, um, to uh, to buy a computer, to whatever it is that is going to help them with this connection and this transition into Boise. Hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's stacking up. You know, I think we've probably saved um, residents, the the guests that have stayed with us. I don't know, probably over twenty thousand dollars at this point. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. The, our, our greatest challenge, I think, is, you know, we're really crowd sourcing this product. You know, like we're just trying it out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going really well, and there's a strong need to expand it. So we took a huge risk. We, um, we made an, uh, a move at, at acquiring three properties, and we're in that fundraising mode of mm-hmm. really raising the rest of it. The good news is we've raised 43% of the purchase of three units. So, you know, we're we're still about $183,000 shy, 
but you know, bit by bit, we're applying to to grants. We've got uh, individuals who have stepped up and helped help us out with it. Um, but we're just bit by bit getting there. Wow. Our goal is by next spring. Okay, because that was going to be my next question: is like the challenge of how is you know how are you finding people even to do this hosting thing? And that you're talking about you know who are living within a hundred feet and 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 then the transitions. It seems like moving people in and out. There's just stuff that needs to happen yeah. and get places turned over i mean there's a lot of i would imagine that goes into it yeah it's it is a um it is a it's an army of volunteers so obviously you know i like i said i have a a day job i'm a i'm a the ceo of our real estate company by day and i'm the volunteer executive director president of leap charities um and so we've got um, a couple of vistas that work for us erica and molly who are doing incredible work with volunteer coordinating fundraising research and then um, amanda hunter works with us she is coordinating the efforts and then just an army of volunteers interestingly so we come at it from you know part of this dissatisfaction with hey what's what's this all about what's being an entrepreneur all about really comes from a core value uh, it's uh, spiritual for for me it has to do with just how i believe god created all of us um, and so what we found is that really resonates with uh, churches and people of faith in our community and so churches have actually come out in really large numbers to help us uh, make these like unit turnovers happen on a regular basis there's one of the units we're, we're just opening one of these ones that we're in the process of purchasing and it's getting a whole makeover it's getting new wood flooring it's been repainted uh, we've just had a group of remodelers uh, they're picking up uh, granite countertops and new vanities and a new surround for the tub. Um, people are just really showing up out of the woodwork um, to help uh, make it happen. And it's just, it's been really neat to see uh, how passionate people can get um, and what they're willing to kick in to make that happen. Awesome. So, so Bart, uh, let's step back a few bits. So um, you kind of told a story how I got started, but what are you... How did you get even into you know this entrepreneurial space? Like, what's your what's your background? Well, um, man, if I st start way back, I mean, I think if I if I if I asked my parents, probably they would they'd say that I was always an entrepreneur. You know, little lawn mowing business as a kid. I started a candy company when I was in uh, junior high. I mean, it was it's like kind of been in the blood. But I went to I I started in Sandpoint. I'm a San, I'm an Idaho kid. Uh, grew up in Sandpoint, migrated south to Moscow, went to U of I. I was the student body president in 2000 um, at, at U of I, and then migrated further south to Boise. And um, I think I spent two years um, at, in, a, in, what, in a, a J-O-B job, right? Uh, I worked at a bank, and then I worked at kind of a startup real estate company as an analyst. And... Um, I just, I don't know, there's just something I think inside uh, that was just kind of calling out to, hey, look, I think you're, you know, this is not where you're meant to be. And so um, when we, I left the second job, who this, this guy, Chad Hansen, who became my business partner, um, he had, he actually quit the job earlier than I did. I actually tried to convince him to come back like three times. And finally, uh, he, he called me up about a week after he left and said, hey, I got an opportunity. Um, and so we said, I said, let's do it. And so I actually got married 
and started my first business in the same month. <laughs> Talk about a lot of transition. Right. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we started our first business. It was real estate related, more on the financing end of it. And we, we got started in a time of the world, 2005. Mm-hmm. A lot of transitions happened between then and now. And so those real estate businesses have, have really migrated and transitioned over time. Um, we, um, and so we just, we've really just like, you've got like a lifetime of experience in about a decade uh, and have kind of honed our entrepreneurial skills and just, um, yeah, there's just a desire to kind of create what doesn't exist already. Um, there's always a, either a, whether it's a tweak, like an improvement on what exists um, or whether it's to pull something out of, uh, you know, existence that just doesn't, doesn't exist yet. Um, I don't. I don't know. I. I liken it. I mean, I sometimes will joke, and refer to it as a disease, um, <laughs> because my wife always says that. Hey, every time you get out of the shower, um, I'm like, I have an idea. Right. And I'm the she, shower guy too. Yeah. Like, I, I showers and ideas Man. are right yeah, there. Mm-hmm. She and so now her response is, I can't believe it. <laughs> and obviously, I know she's being sarcastic, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, it always kind of spinning up something new, mm-hmm. something. I think uh, in the office, you know, some of the folks we work with, they say, man, every day you come in excited about something, uh, whether it's a, a new opportunity or whether it's just a slight shift or change or maybe even a completely different, uh, you know, new, something way out on the horizon. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think it's in my blood. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe I should go back and do some more genealogy and find out if there's some entrepreneurs in my <laughs> my past. Well, and um, you know, to have this idea, it sounds like at least initially, and maybe still now, the main driver of funding for uh, leap charities is uh, your real estate company, uh, where the members are like donating ten percent of their earnings towards uh, this 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 charitable organization that you guys created um what was it like getting your whole you know your team on board with that was that mm-hmm. it was it you know that that's part is very unusual you know yeah yeah i think it's it's probably at this point um it, as we grow our real estate team it, it really takes someone that's absolutely sold on the the mission mm-hmm. uh, we have definitely interviewed folks that um you know you take you're taking like a 10% slice out of their gross revenue. I mean, it's, it, it's material. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not on board with it, it just feels like somebody's taking money from you or taking money out of your pocket. Right. Um, but in all fairness, our real, our real estate company is full service. So we, uh, about half of our business is property management mm-hmm. and we manage properties all over the Valley, including affordable housing, mobile home parks, homeowners associations, commercial buildings. Um, and so, for the, for the longest time, Chad and I were the two producers, the two real estate producers, we were the two licensed agents. And then everybody else on our team was a staff member of the uh, um, property management company. So okay. when we made the shift, the two stakeholders were uh, Chad and I. Um, and then it was bringing up the team um, to, to help them understand that what, what you're working for is bigger than just your day-to-day activities, but all the work you're doing helping us be successful and grow is making this impact and so what we ended up doing was uh moving leap charities and property people we share an office up on vista and um and what's great about it is there's so much overlap uh so uh the leap staff sees 
um, what property people is doing, what property people sees, what the LEAP staff is doing, and they're interacting, we're getting together, maybe we'll go to a hockey game together or something like that um, when we do our annual events. But um, what's neat is there's that, um, I don't know, cross-pollination, um, and each one understands that LEAP understands that the success of property people impacts them directly because the more income property people produces, the more income LEAP's got to work with mm -hmm. to make the difference it wants to make in the community and vice versa. The more success property people's having, the more impact we're going to make in the community. So it's been really neat. I think we haven't perfected it by any means, um, but it has been neat to see it all kind of, um, you know, there's been a lot of crossover and uh, some really great and neat conversations and to see people kind of begin to support one another even though it can feel like day to day we're this company and we do these things and we're this company and we do these things and they're not there's not really so many day-to-day -day overlaps it's more personal you know yeah no i like it though i like the idea of um when you bring in a team member is it's so clearly defined. A lot of people have a slogan about how they their culture is and mm -hmm. how they operate and what they what their beliefs are, their business religion and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but then that's kind of where it ends sometimes, yeah. right? They don't really show it, mm -hmm. right, or prove it somehow or act it. And um, because they had learned somewhere in some seminar that they need to have these things. And so what I like about what you guys are doing is that it's really clear because you're so invested in your mission to Mars, right? You're with Leaf Charities and your overall business philosophy that even at the day one of the hiring, it's very clear that, you know, you're either gonna be a great fit here because you you see this whole thing going on or you're not. And so I like that because it's just far beyond a slogan. It's actually um, action, you know, actionable, you know, that's quite, you know, you can see and feel and touch mm -hmm. right there. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think Nate, there's a guy we just, just brought under our team a little mm -hmm. while ago, Nate Walsh. He's a perfect example. So Nate was the lead educator over at Create Common Good. Mm -hmm. um, so he was, and he was excelling at that role. Um, they're doing a lot of really neat things in the community. Um, but he wanted to make a transition to another um, career. Um, real estate was something of particular interest to him. But he had he had been working wholeheartedly in a nonprofit, right? So he didn't want to lose that completely. He wanted to still serve um, vulnerable populations, a client base that he was serving at um, Create Common Good. And so we, we got a chance to meet. We knew each other from uh, previous lives and through church and other things. But um, And we sat down and just said, hey, here's the vision. This is what we're doing. And he's like, that's exactly what I want to do. So he's, he's dove in headfirst. And he has actually spearheaded a whole program that I had only just had an idea about, but really not the bandwidth to implement. Mm. So he's launched inside of Leap sort of a co-opting between the real estate side and the nonprofit is a program called Yes You Can. Hmm. And Yes You Can is helping people who maybe have a particular barrier to home ownership. Um, and they, uh, what we do is we advocate for them uh, to help them get through the process so that it becomes a reality. So it's not, it's not creating a new down payment assistance program or a new rental count or a new financial counseling program, but it's just basically coming alongside 
cheerleading, being in the know of where those resources are in the community, because our community is rich with these kinds of resources. It's just about sometimes knowing where to go, mm -hmm. how to get it, mm -hmm. how to access it, and to know when, when, it's, when they're in the money and when they're not in the money. A lot of these grant programs, they run out quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, we know when the new appropriations come through. And, and Nate's been uh, just a star at this. So they, in October, he piloted this project. And right now there's 19 families who are active. So these are families that either have maybe credit issues, either they've never purchased before, so maybe a lack of know-how, or they may be challenged with the uh, down payment requirements. And so Nate's working with those 19 families, and so far since October, he's already closed four families. Mm. Um, it's been pretty cool. Um, just this last weekend, uh, they were out, uh, helped the family that, that closed, actually moved to their new location, celebrated with them, you know, and made sure that, you know, there was, it was a, it was a big, the kind of celebration that was deserving of the hurdles that were overcome in order to get to this dream of homeownership. So, I mean, he's a perfect example of somebody who's like, he, the 10% is like, that's second nature for him. That's mm -hmm. a, that's an easy answer to that question because he's, he's in, he's vested, not only vested, he's, he's ideating, you know, he's creating new pathways for these opportunities. I love that. That's a, that's a great story and a great, uh, and I think you found someone like it because your, your mission was already established and strong and he mm -hmm. could see it so clearly. Mm -hmm. What's, so what's in the future for Leap Charities? Obviously, you guys have this challenge of, you know, as you mentioned earlier, of you're trying to um, raise uh, enough funds to uh, acquire some new units so you can handle all the refugee, you know, housing stuff coming in the town, sound like, you know. Um, is, yeah, so what's, what's, on, what's on your plate? Yeah, well, um, um, that's a great question. I, um, I, I used to be, when we first started, I used to be a little bit more focused on the you know, the, the gap, the $183,000 we need to close on these properties by next spring. But, you know, it's probably somebody listening to this radio show. It's probably just going to, you know, you know, give <laughs> Pony us a up. call, right? <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't think about that too much. I'm ready to kind of move on to the next, the next step. But um, we got, we had great news. Uh, a couple months ago, we got awarded our first um, development project. Mm. So Leap Charities applied for federal funding through the National Housing Trust Fund through IHFA, and we were awarded um, the uh, funding to be able to develop a four-unit um, community for mm. affordable housing. So the uh, this is a, it's a big deal. It's our first first uh, development project. We did it with the help of a guy named Douglas Peterson. He was the CEO of the housing company and affordable housing developer. He he jumped on and joined us as a partner, and uh, he helped us. He's helping us with the experience piece of it. But what's cool about it? is these are four units they're all four bedrooms two bath so in the affordable housing stock there's not very many four bedrooms sure um they are uh, fully accessible so there's in the second bathroom there's a five foot turnaround so someone needing some accessibility features could could access these properties and the coolest part about them is they are a custom designed indie dwell model so if you know if you've heard of Scott Flynn and Pete Gombert and the work that they're doing over at Indie Dwell, these will be their first affordable housing project. So we're, I think, second in their queue for production. So uh, let's explain that Indie Dwell a yeah. little bit, because that might be a term that people haven't heard yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I I love I love it because they're um, they're getting they've been getting so much publicity uh, mm. for their product. But so Indie Dwells created this uh, basically a modular housing unit, and they're converting shipping containers so dis, mm -hmm. uh, out of commission shipping containers into mm. housing units. And their their objective is affordable housing. Um, they have a base model that was in the mid sixties, the last you know mid sixty thousand dollars last time I checked. Um, they're nice, really efficient places, and they're just like they're designed to the T. I mean, solid surface. I mean, um, the the they're just really airtight, so the energy the um, uh, the power bills are super low. Um, I mean, they're they're really well designed. They're kind of modern looking, um, really low maintenance. Um, they're awesome. So they designed a they usually do a two container model. They they threw an extra third container model. Um, for us, and then designed the ADA accessibility component of it. Wow! And so, so it was. It was the first time IHFA has ever approved anything like that uh, mm -hmm. with the shipping container concept. So we've been working through some, uh, you know, a lot of questions to answer, and mm -hmm. you know, they're all well-meaning questions, and we're working through that. Um, but hopefully, midsummer we'll be uh, working on construction. The coolest part about it too is. Um, I mean, not only are we hoping to make it, um, you know, energy efficient and uh, beautiful. We want to blow uh, the stereotypes of affordable housing out the door. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the owners of the land, they donated the land to us. Holy cow. So they wow. said, hey, we've got some land. We we desire to do affordable housing too. And so, hey, could can you, you know, they said, can you help us with this small bit of the cost of the land and everything else? So it worked out to be a probably a little over a $200,000 donation to the organization to get it off the ground. And, um, yeah, hopefully this, you know, 2018, we'll be able to open those ones for the first time. Interesting thing about the National Housing Trust Fund is it's focused on what's called 30% of AMI. So mm. AMI is area median income. Mm -hmm. And um, there are numbers that in like affordable housing, we throw around quite a bit. But in, in the categories of affordable housing, what 30% or less is considered is the extremely low category. It's the um, oftentimes where the highest need is for the number of units in a community um, and it's the most difficult to um, to produce um, and so just using an example we've got some numbers like median household income in Boise was 61,300 that's like a family of four these numbers that I've got in front of me are maybe a little dated 2015 I think so it's probably been some adjustments since then but just using as an anecdote, a 30% of median income four-person household would be a household making $24,000 a year. Mm. So that's an attainable rent of about $606 a month. So you can imagine you know, how hard that you is. find that in the yeah. market. Mm -hmm. So what's neat about it is the capital structure allows for us to be able to rent to the that 30% group. So we'll actually have to pre-qualify tenants to make sure that they make 30% of area median income or less in order for them to qualify and stay in these homes. So, hmm. um, we're hoping to make them, um, you know, zero threshold, lots of accessible paths. There's lots of land and irrigation water in this property. And so we'll be able to do some work with um, natural habitat and um, some like gardening opportunities, maybe even accessible gardening opportunities where maybe raised beds that are that uh, allow for folks to be able to maybe re you know, participate in the gardening activities. Cool. So, yeah, we're really excited about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I imagine so that's really exciting. Well, well, I'm really impressed. Uh, uh, Leap Charities it seems to be doing all kinds of great stuff, uh, and uh, and um, it's a 
let's give you some background. I know it's a 501c3 company, right? That's right. Yep. Okay. So, and you, and you started it when? Like a year or two ago? What was this? Well, I think probably the, the emphasis on affordable housing has really been in the last couple of years. Uh-huh. The nonprofit itself has been around since 2010. Okay. Well, you've been at this a while, and I really applaud you for everything you're doing and everything that you, you seem to have on your plate and, and keep doing. Very cool. I, I mean, I'm so glad you were able to connect because um, Leaf Charities was not on my radar. And so um, getting to hear your story and to see what you guys are up to is I'm, I'm super excited about what you're doing for the community. Hmm. Thanks, Mike. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, we're out of time, but you've been listening to with Bart Bart Cochran. He's uh, he's a you know the, one of the founders of uh, LeapCharities.org, and um, you can find out more information by going to their website. And I will post more details about uh, this interview and uh, details about what they're doing on our website, IdahoSpeakeasy.com. Until next time, thanks for coming in, Bart. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. <laughs>